turn <clears throat> turn in your Bible to Song of Solomon, and we're going to look at uh, the first four verses here. Man, how much how much do we love this book? Because it shows us the highest mystery. Oh, I pulled a quote from Hudson Taylor and his commentary on Song of Songs. He says, this Song of Songs brings a gladness to the heart which is far above the joy of earthly things as heaven is higher than the earth. It has been well said that this is a song which grace alone can teach and experience alone can learn. Grace alone can teach, experience alone can learn. He says, Song of Solomon is a divine warrant for the desire for sensible manifestations of his presence, sensible communications of his love. <laughs> what a great intro to the book of Song of Songs. I pulled one more from this old exposition on the uh, Song of Songs. This woman writes, she says, the book is a heaven-sent song of holy love. <laughs> it makes me so happy to, to read those words. In its language, which the Holy Spirit has given us, we find a treasure house of expressions through which we can pour out our adoration to our beloved, through which we can experience the love which we could never utter with our own poor language and with our faltering lips. The Song of Solomon consists of the heart converse between the soul and Christ and between Christ and the soul. Just based on these two intros to the book of Song of Solomon, we're seeing that this is heart love. This is direct love exchange. A little quote from Guyon. This is uh, from her commentary on Song of Songs. She says, your spirit, man, this is good stuff. Your spirit can deeply touch and be united with God's spirit while you live in your body. Of course, this union is experienced, but not actually seen in the physical realm. There, when you fully enter the presence of God, you shall fully see all that you now touch by faith. The moment you receive Christ, you receive all you need to live in and enjoy Christ. Christ within you is the fullness of God. What I'm suggesting in this commentary is not an experience that you need to have. No, I'm explaining that your spiritual life is this journey toward Christ possessing you more completely. <laughs> I love that last line, Christ possessing you more completely. It is a ever-growing relational reality that we see here in Song of Solomon. But just uh, the very first verse, you've read this many times, but it says the the song of songs uh, you know if you have ever wondered why it says song of songs it's because there's no um superlative adjectives in hebrew so if you wanted to say like it says in deuteronomy 10 the god of 
of God, the greatest God. You'd say the God of gods. Or like you say, Jesus is the greatest king. So they say king of kings. He is the greatest Lord. So they say Lord of lords. And so to emphasize the greatness of this revelation, it says this is the song of songs. Again, because there's no superlative, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, adjectives in Hebrew. Song of songs. You know, you think of why it's a song. Songs are communications above normal language. In other words, if you, you say I love you to somebody, that communication is getting through to them. But if you say it in song, you can communicate it with actual feeling. So you're able to bypass the intellect and go straight into the soul with a song. And songs are, as you know, uh, the book of Proverbs says, uh, like one who takes off his coat in winter, so is one who sings a song to uh, a person who is downcast or a person who is, in other words, it's an intensification. Songs intensify feeling. So this is the highest form of communication of the highest forms of communication. And you wonder why, you know, why is it the song of songs? It's internal contents is the mystery of the ages. It's the heartbeat of the gospel. It's the wonder of God's dripping love. In it, we see what this whole thing is about and for and going to and enjoyed now. It is literally the best explanation, expounding on what God desires to have with you and with me. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Interesting that Solomon is typified by, uh, is, a, is a type of Christ. We know Jesus says that uh, Solomon, uh, one greater than Solomon is here. Uh, so we see he likens himself to Solomon. So, and Jesus is the king and Solomon is the king. So you see right off the bat, you see the king is communicating in the highest degree of love to, to his bride. And now next it says, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It's an abrupt entry. She just starts, may he kiss me. It's, it's almost as if she has made him so much the subject of her life, she does not need to clarify who she means when she says him. <laughs> That's the bride. That's the bride. He's, he, Christ, is so the subject of her being that she doesn't even feel the need to clarify who she's talking about because he is the, the, the uninterrupted subject of her life. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. But the next thing that I think is very interesting is to see the word may is a permission word. It's yielding. All experience with the love comes from yielding. So not only has she made him the subject of her whole life, may he, he, may he kiss me with the kisses of, of his, his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. But she is also showing us that this yielding is where the kiss comes from. You may, you may wonder, where is the kiss of God in my life? It is wherever you yield to the Lord. 
where is the lack of the kiss of God in my life? Wherever we fail to yield to the Lord, the yielding brings us into the love exchange. This is so important because sometimes we go in to pray and we're in there and we're doing everything we're supposed to do, but the heart is still stubborn. The heart is still resolutely adhering to its own will instead of yielding. That yielding is how you fall in to the love exchange. And we see it right here. First thing taught, let him kiss me. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You know, many people have talked about what these kisses are, but one thing you cannot take away from what the kiss actually is, is love. <laughs> it's affection. So if we know it to be anything, it is primarily affection that he desires to apply his love to you. She desires to receive the application, the applying, the experience of the direct contact with his love. But she noted, notice she says, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She goes plural with it. I like to say I was lost before his kiss and now I'm lost without his kisses. The kisses of his mouth. Spurgeon likes to, to pull out here three things about the, the, the reason why it says mouth. One, words come forth from your mouth. Two, your breath comes forth from your mouth. And three, your kiss is the application of your mouth. So he applies his love to the soul by the breath and word, the spirit and the word. So people say, what are the kisses of God? It is when the spirit takes the word of God and touches your being with his love. His love becomes experiential through the presence of the spirit and the word of God. That to me is highest bliss. That to me is the thing most treasured in my personal life. And it is the thing most, uh, the most conforming to the image of Christ is the experience of his love. I feel like if we realize him as the subject of our lives and we yield to him so that his spirit can apply the love of God to us through the word, this is that experience the bride longs for. We see, if you want to say what the bride is, first things first, she wants to experience him. She desires the experience of him. Even as I read earlier from Hudson Taylor, Song of Songs is the divine warrant for the desire for sensible manifestations of his love and sensible communications of his love and presence. So may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now look what happens here. She changes her uh, direction right now. She's, she's yielding. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And then she says, for your love is better than wine, which shows me the attention immediately shifts by the surrender. She begins to surrender to the Lord and that takes her into direct attention or full fixed attention for you. Oh Lord. I remember, uh, uh somebody said to me one time that when, when you, uh, meet the, I am, you become an, I am. And I, I was like, I don't think that that's right. I think when you meet the, I am, you become a, he is. 
because he takes all the attention and she begins to yield to him desiring his his direct application of love through the spirit and the word as she yields to him this is what she wants and your love she has all attention upon his love this word that's used here for love is extremely intimate as a matter of fact it is also used in proverbs of the harlot when uh, she says you know let us drink our fill of love till morning she's talking of actual union sexual union and this is the the same word used here now again we're not talking of anything sexually with god this is allegory and it is the emphasis of intimate love exchange that is marital and one that brings about a, a oneness or or is because of oneness so you see for your love is better then why notice that the love is connected to the kiss because both are experiential the love she asks for the kiss she desires this is all experience you know people set themselves against the experience of god when they're more loyal to their idea of god than the person of god it is the experience of the lord that causes us to come to know him and the bride above all things wants to experience her bridegroom so let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for his love or for your love is better than wine the the reason for using wine according to the the scriptures uh, uh, allegorical and symbolic understanding is wine is something that is um takes time wine is something that is uh it it is expensive it's it's not something cheap it's something that is enjoyable it's something that can intoxicate so she is using this wine to emphasize his love trumps all the pleasures of the world whatever the pleasure you want to put in there if you put it next to the exhilaration of his experiential love it is it falls apart it it's inferior in every way As a matter of fact i pulled a quote from spurgeon on this if you don't have this book this is a really good one to get it's uh sermons on song of solomon charles spurgeon called the most holy place um so it says here he wrote christ's love is the freest thing in the world free as a sunbeam <laughs> free as a mountain torrent free as the air it comes to the child of god without purchase without merit and in this respect it is even better than wine because jesus has purchased it for you now he goes on and he says we have been inebriated inebriated with this love this is why she likens it to wine inebriated with this love for the love of christ sometimes produces a holy exhilaration that makes men say whether in the body or out of the body i cannot tell <laughs> this is an elevation that lifts the soul above all earthly things and bears the spirit up beyond where eagles soar even into the clear atmosphere where god communes with men praise god his love is better than wine i pulled another one from one of my favorites uh robert murray mcshane he writes in his journal he says there is no joy like divine joy 
It is infinite. It is full. It is eternal. It is pure. It is unmingled joy. It is light without any cloud to darken it. It is calm without any breath to even ruffle it. If you come to Christ, you will have the drops of his joy. And you can look upon all events with holy calm and holy joy, knowing that your Father's will and purposes alone shall stand. His love is better than wine. One last one from Samuel Rutherford. Uh, I love these. I hope you do. He says, I find, oh, this is so good. He's writing in his journal. Remember, this is written from prison. It, he's in jail. He's in die, he dies here in jail. He's in, in jail for preaching Christ. In heaven or out of heaven, there is nothing better, nothing so sweet and ex excellent as the thing you have touched upon when you say Christ. <laughs> joy, yes, much joy we have in him. Again, from prison, he's writing these words. Joy, much joy we have in him. And he says, I find that his sweet presence eateth out the bitterness of sorrow and sufferings. <laughs> I find that his sweet presence eateth out the bitterness of sorrow and suffering. His love is better than wine. So that was uh, one of the points I wanted to really drive home because I think this is what makes a man holy. He finds highest delight, highest pleasure in God. What if, and I believe this to be true, but I'm putting it out as a question. What if the only reason why men struggle with sin, the only reason why people play around with the world is because they haven't yet yielded to the kiss that is theirs freely because of what Christ has done to them, done for them. What if, if they just yielded to the experience of God, would they enter into such a sweet exchange with him that they would turn their backs on the world and they would say a satiated man loathes honey put whatever honey you want in front of me i'm satisfied with christ remember aw tozer wrote in the pursuit of god he said uh, self can only be expelled by a deeper spiritual experience by a deeper spiritual experience the deeper experiences of god do a deeper work, even as Guyan was saying, that you become, we would become more and more completely dominated uh, by him. So we have, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Man, praise God. Just put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. Say, God, I yield to your kiss. I yield to your spirit. I yield to your word. I yield to you for your love is better than all the things in this world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Next, it says, your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. Now you notice there's oil at the beginning and oil at the end of that verse. And I was reading a commentary and it's the commentary was saying that the structure of the sentence means both the oils are the same thing. In other words, it's commentary on the same oil for for instance your oils has a has a pleasing fragrance your name is like purified or oil some translations will say poured out oil but all this to say 
It is the name of the Lord, the name of the bridegroom, his very person and nature that fills the room with this experiential fragrance, this sensible experience of his presence connected to the recognition of his nature, his name. His name is like purified oil and its fragrance is sweet. So uh, practically, what does that look like? When we meditate upon the nature and character of the name of the Lord, because you know this already, we've talked about this many times, the name of the Lord is simply his nature revealed, his, his personhood, it is his glory and his goodness and uh, his character. That's the name of the Lord. So his name, the meditation upon his person fills the room with spiritual fragrance. In other words, to say you can enter into spiritual experience of God by the meditation upon his character and his nature. I have two volumes up there written by Stephen Sharnock on the attributes of God. And these, when, when I read through the attributes of God, another book on the attributes of God that's great is The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Just reading through the attributes of God revealed in the Bible would make my whole being begin to tremble. That's the fragrance of his name, who and what he's like meditated upon. And that's what she's doing here. She's thinking upon him. Oh, your name, your name is like purified oil. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Oh, praise God. Um, and then she says next, therefore the maidens love you. In other words, this is how God wins hearts by revealing what he's like. The more people see what he really is like, the more we realize him to be superlatively lovely. We, we see him to be altogether lovely. We see him to be exciting of love in every aspect. The more we see him as he in fact is. I pulled another quote here from, this one's from David Brainerd, uh, writing in his journal as he's actually, as he's actually dying. He says this, he says, um, towards noon, he said, I saw the grace of God in Christ infinitely free towards us sinners, such sinners as I was. He says, I also saw that God is the supreme good, that in his presence is life. And I began to long to pass to the next life that I might be with him in a state of freedom from all sin and all corruption. Oh, how a small glimpse of his excellency refreshes my soul. Oh, how worthy is the blessed God to be loved, to be adored, to be delighted in for himself and for his own divine excellencies. That is a good way to say his name is purified oil. His oils have a pleasing fragrance to them. <laughs> Praise God. And then next it says, draw me after you and let us run together. This word, draw me, if you look it up in Lagos, the Bible software, it is incredible. It actually means to take someone out of one place to another. <laughs> to take them out of one place to another. This shows me a couple of things. Number one, she recognizes she needs him to deliver her 
from wherever she's at. Her situation, she looks to him to get her out of that self room. It's almost as if the picture is she's in, a, we could just make up a story. She's in a party. She's sitting there. She doesn't want to be there. And she sends a text to her boyfriend and says, draw me, come get me. And then he rushes in and he gets her and he takes her from that place to another place. It actually says, let us run together. So this, this word run there is actually hurry. So let's hurry. It's the same word that's in the last uh, verse of Song of Solomon, hurry, my love. So she's like, come get me. And we will excitedly and hurriedly go to another place. What is that other place? The king has brought me into his chambers. (laughs) She goes into solitude with the king. She is wanting him. Notice that it says the king has brought me there. She, She didn't bring herself there. He's the one. Who brings her there he goes and he gets her she looks at him, oh come get me and he runs and gets her and they hurriedly go to solitude where she has his his world she's into his his chambers she's in his his life uh his life lane <laughs> I, love, I love that so you make it practical as can be you get up in the morning and you go sit down and your heart feels you're trapped in a world of unfeeling. You feel like you're trapped in an uninspired, tired state, or you have a lot of things going on in that day. And you, you just don't know how to get to that wonderful state of being in which you are in the king's chamber, experiencing his love that's better than wine that that wonderful place of the kisses of God. Well, this is what she does. And this is what I encourage you to do. Come get me, Lord. Draw me, Lord. I need you. Come get me, Lord. Come get me. I've done this so many times in my life where I felt so many over overwhelming things pressing upon me. And I come in here just the other day, I came in here and I had missed my morning prayer because I had to attend to some things and the afternoon had come and I felt just kind of discombobulated. And so I ran in here and I sat down and I was so full of just myself and my own thoughts. And, and I just reached to the Lord in my heart I said, draw me, Lord, draw me, Lord, draw me, Lord. And we'll run quickly to be in that place of being alone together. And I felt like the Lord was provoked I felt as if the Lord was was uh, burning with fire to come get me. I, I almost felt like I could feel him r- rush in the room like a living flame to burn away dross, to burn away corrosion, to burn away self and self-centeredness and the lies of the enemy like, with like, a, like a jealous bridegroom flame. He came in and just burned these things off me. And I was able to go up to him in worship and enjoy that sweet, wonderful bliss of his person by yielding, oh, yielding, oh, yielding into that sweet kiss. And the the word of God and the spirit of God began to apply the experience of his love, his love. Oh, praise God, his love. I, I just went to lunch with somebody the other day who's been through horrific trauma 
by the way that they were treated um, w- by leadership, and they were just dis—they were just literally discouraged to the point of not even wanting to be in ministry. And then I asked the person, I said, "Well, what got you out of it? Like, how did you get shake loose from the discouragement? How did you shake loose from not wanting to?" And she says to me, <laughs> she says, "His love." He came in with his love and he loved me. And she, when she says that his, this experience of, of, of his love literally delivered her from a pit she saw no way out of, a pit in the brain that she saw no way out of, a pit of the soul that she saw no way out of, but the love of Christ, the kisses of God, that love that's better than wine, oh, the king's chamber, oh, his person that is fragrance. Oh, therefore the maidens love you and rightly do they love you because you are good, Lord, and you are kind. And he draws and takes us out of one place, out of a sin, out of a lust, out of a depression, out of a room of self-centeredness, a religion. He pulls us out of all kinds of rooms and he runs away to put us into that solitary place where we can experience that love that is superior to everything in this life. Praise God. So um, I, I prayed through these things um, already for you guys, but if it's okay, I'd like to pray them again. Uh, we're going to stop there because I want to give a lot of attention to each of these of the verses. So we'll just do four tonight. Um, but it just if you can, just, just put yourself in a receiving place in your mind and in your heart, and I'm just going to pray. I just believe in the power of addressing God with a bankrupt heart. So, Father, I pray. Oh, do I pray. Oh, God, I pray. I ask that you would would help us to yield into your kisses the sweet breath of the Spirit and the voice of your word, the application of your love to our souls, God. Let it be that we learn yielding. If we perfect anything in our lives, let it be this, yielding to you, yielding to your love. And Lord, I pray that this love would be experienced to the full that all the pleasures and delights of this lower world will be infinitely excelled, as David Brainerd writes. God infinitely excel all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. And Father, I pray for a fresh meditation upon your name. Teach us, teach us how to meditate on your name. Teach us how to see your name in the scriptures. Teach us how to see what you've revealed of your character and your nature, Lord, to us, because it's a pleasing fragrance and it fills the whole room like oil poured out, like perfume poured out. (laughs) Lord, I pray for this. May our whole lives be perfumed by the poured out oil of meditation upon your name, I pray. And Lord, I pray, I pray also that there would be a drawing, a daily drawing, that you would come get us, from numbness and pull us into the the realm and and room of exhilaration with you. 
May we be exhilarated all times with your love as you, in, this, in, in Proverbs 4, you teach married couples to be exhilarated always with each other's love. Lord, I pray that we would be exhilarated always with your love. And Lord, I pray if we find ourselves dead and cold, I pray, Lord, we would lift our hands and say, oh, draw me, my love. Draw me and let us hurry to go into that place. Lord, I pray if we've lacked the hurrying to be with God, if we've lacked that inspired, joyful, expectant, uh, craving to be alone with you, I pray, Lord, it come back by the drawing. Pull us out of these different rooms that we would race to be with you in that place of solitude in the king's chamber. In your precious name, teach us to live in the king's chamber and do everything coming forth from the king's chamber. Make us heralds who come forth from the king's chamber. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen.